Doorknob comments remind me of jokes in a way, where jokes can serve as a serious communication, but they can also be like played off as not being important. Jokes exist in kind of a like a liminal space, you know, like in the uh, in the doorway between one room and another. Hi, thanks for listening to Doorknob Comments. I'm Farah White. And I'm Grant Brenner. We are psychiatrists on a mission to educate and advocate for mental health and overall well-being. In addition to the obvious, we focus on the subtle, often unspoken dimensions of human experience, the so-called doorknob comments people often make just as they are leaving their therapist's office. We seek to dispel misconceptions while offering useful perspectives through open and honest conversation. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions, comments, and requests. So I'm really excited today to talk about the sort of title of our podcast, What is a Doorknob Comment? I see it as like a whimsical, fun, you know, part of therapy, but I think that there is definitely more substance to it than a lot of people would know. Yeah, I I thought I was going to introduce the topic, but but that's okay. I was just, I was thinking, so thanks for jumping in. Okay. It's it's whimsical, but, you know, I thought it was funny because... A lot of people have heard of the term doorknob comments. There's plenty of New Yorker cartoons and Mm -hmm. certainly therapists, you know, think about this. And I think a lot of times in therapy comes a time when something will happen and the therapist will like do some psychoeducation, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, you know, explain what a doorknob comment is. And then it, it becomes something often very important for therapy you know, and quite serious, actually, as much as it's whimsical. In in that sense, I'd say doorknob comments remind me of jokes in a way where Mm -hmm. jokes can serve as a serious communication, but they can also be like played off as not being important. Jokes exist in kind of a like a liminal space, you know, like in the uh, in the doorway between one room and another, like in the, the edge of experience. Right. And and I think that there's something about, you know, because humor really at its core, I think, is defense. And there's something a little bit safer about saying something as a joke. Did you say humor is at its core defense? A defense, hmm. I think. It's very traditional. Is it too traditional for you? You know, I, I question the idea of humor as a defense, though I, yeah. I certainly understand as Freud talked yeah. about humor as being one of the like the most evolved defenses. But a defense isn't necessarily a bad thing, I guess. I see it as a really positive thing, and I see it as a way that people sort of protect themselves um, against some of the harsher realities. Like if we joke about something, then it sort of takes out some of the anxiety. You know, the idea of a defense is kind of like not something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. But if you tell someone they're they're being defensive in ordinary conversation, it's it's not usually taken well. Yeah. So we've come to use the term a little bit differently than psychoanalysts do mm-hmm. as just something to be aware of. Exactly. Very, a clinical term, defense, yeah. is very different yeah. from stop being so defensive. Right, right. But even if you say, well, stop being so defensive, I don't even necessarily, like I know that it's sort of meant to be a way to say that, oh, well, someone can't take criticism or someone can't. But I see it as, well, people need to be able to stand up for themselves. Maybe sometimes that's being defensive if you feel too criticized. But if someone does feel criticized, then they then they can advocate for themselves. So I don't know. Well, I think when someone says stop being defensive, they're asking the other person to behave differently with them interpersonally. Mm -hmm. 
from a, like a couples therapy point of view, it would be, well, what are you trying to say? Like, I felt hurt when you said that, or I felt criticized, or could you try to speak differently mm -hmm. to me when you're feeling yeah. upset? Or if you want me to do something, could you express it this way? In the form of an accusation, it's harder for the other person to hear. So it's interesting. With doorknob comments are a little different. We'll talk about what is a doorknob comment. With jokes, they can be taken back in a way. You know, people will say, I was just kidding. Like, you know, outfit doesn't look good on you. Or like, why did you wear that tonight? It's like, I'm mm -hmm. just kidding. Like, can't you take a joke? Don't be so defensive. <laughs> it's like, what do you what do you really think? So jokes yeah. are funny because they're true. Mm -hmm. Freud wrote a whole book on jokes. Yeah. And I think a lot of uh, therapists do really love humor. It's but... under theorized. Yeah. Meaning mm. some has been written about it, but Freud wrote, wrote this book called Jokes in Their Relation to the Unconscious. A lot of times doorknob comments are in the form of jokes. Mm -hmm. As yeah. a matter of fact, Absolutely. what is a doorknob comment? It is something, a comment, something that is said just at the end of a therapy session when the patient is leaving the room, just on their way out. I think the point is that there's really not much time to talk about it. Someone's hand is on the doorknob. So yeah. maybe the therapist is holding the door open. Maybe the patient is opening the door and they open the door as if they're about to leave. They pause, they turn around. Then the patient says, oh, by the way. I'll try or, not to kill myself before then. Maybe that's a joke. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it could be a joke. It's a, a doorknob comments, but some kind of a communication that feels very intense and loaded, but also in a curious way. It's a meaningful communication. It feels like it's loaded with meaning that is sort of tightly packed. It mm -hmm. would have to be sort of, as therapists say, unpacked, yeah. but there's no time. The decision has to be made whether to extend the session if it's warranted or whether to say something like that's really important. Um, I think this and, hey, we can meet sooner if you want, or are you okay mm -hmm. till talking about it next week? Uh, it's generally not a good idea to just ignore it, especially if it's something to do with personal safety, like a uh, comment about suicidality. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the time, and I don't know what, what your reaction is, sometimes it is hard to extend the session or make room, uh, or I've never said, why don't you sit back down and we're going to talk about that. I would sort of direct it in, well, I'm here sort of if you need me in the meantime. You know, if that happens uh, often, you know, with mm -hmm. one person, then as therapists, we we start to ask ourselves, are, are we missing something, mm -hmm. you know, that we're avoiding during the therapy that it keeps coming up at the end. And so mm -hmm. we might notice a pattern over time and, and people in, who are receiving therapy can also notice those patterns. In some cases, that also is like, maybe it would be helpful to meet more than once a week, like we need, yeah. we need more time. Yeah, absolutely. If if more time is the issue, I think a lot of it uh, might have to do with certain feelings about having to end the session and uh, having to say goodbye, uh, knowing that you're not going to see that person for another week. So that can bring up um, anger or abandonment or whatever it is. And th that can be hard to talk about too. Well, absolutely. I think the underlying question there is often, you know, do you really care? Sometimes when it's time to get an invoice, you know, like at the the beginning of the next month or the end of the month, <laughs> people will make comments about money often in a joking way or express doubts about the therapy. I think because, you know, the sal the salience, the, you know, the importance of the investment people are making 
uh, is in some ways more obvious when you have to pay a bill. And at the end of the session, there's questions about caring, especially, I think, for therapists who are who are very clear about the boundary. The underlying question is like, do you only care because I'm paying you? And is it possible to care about someone and also pay them for something? For a lot of patients, they feel more comfortable paying because then it's a clear exchange. It's part of what we've come to know as like the frame of, you know, how therapy works and that, you know, they pay really for the time, not for us to care or not care. But I do think that it's hard for people if they imagine that this therapist doesn't really care about me and just wants, you know, to have the invoices paid that I can imagine that might be very distressing to some people. But on the other hand, to be liked too much, and I feel like I have this problem a little bit with some people, if I like them very much, that's an uncomfortable feeling for them. Well, navigating intimacy, especially because therapy has uh, like a relationship or relational dimension. As you're saying, some some people in general, you know, forget about whether they're in therapy or not mm-hmm. with, with someone have difficulty with intimacy and having it feel more transactional is reassuring, but also could be potentially problematic because it avoids addressing directly kind of the intimacy issue. Oh, uh, I already paid my bill or don't worry, you can charge me for that. You know, sort of what's behind that type of comment versus saying something like, well, I have a few minutes. What you said is important. Um, Maybe we can talk about it a little bit and follow up next time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things that that sort of break the frame are often described in the in the in the in stuff that's been written about therapy, the the literature, yeah. um, as being taken as signs of authentic caring. Like there's a famous one about a patient who's cold, you know, in the psychoanalytic literature, and the therapist gives them a blanket, and that's like a, a violation of like the unwritten rules of therapy. Or there's another famous one about a patient who is uh, frightened, and the therapist walks them to the elevator. And and again, you know, this question about authenticity of the relationship and the caring comes up mm-hmm. around the frame. So. At the end of the session, as you're saying, like when it's time to leave, that can feel a little bit forced. Like the two people might actually want to talk longer. Yeah, and sometimes they do. And it's hard to maintain that boundary. But I think like with a lot of sort of the traditions or rules or however you want to call it, um, they're in place really for the protection of the patient. I know that analysts are known to be, you know, kind of rigid with that frame but i think what happens when you're when you're not rigid is that you can get into this like kind of unclear space so maybe the therapist hands the patient a blanket and that's nice but what if like then the therapist gives the patient a pillow and then the patient feels like compelled to lie down but they don't really want to lie down so it's just like a very slippery slope Right. That's the argument in favor of having clear boundaries and and being clear if there's a reason for crossing those boundaries and maintaining the boundaries. uh, It's considered to be important to be very clear about those things, Um, though a lot of times afterward you sort through them and that's also therapeutic Mm -hmm. um, if there's if there's a a minor boundary crossing. Well, how come you're not always so nice to me? How come you only offered me a blanket once? And what is the symbolic meaning of offering the person a blanket? Does that feel too intimate? Mm-hmm. Uh, and things like that can can get stirred up. But it's also worth noting that things like like this are also good for the the therapist as well. You know, to have mm-hmm. an expectation that their time will be managed, and yeah. that you know, there's what's that movie? What about Bob? Oh, I love that. That's such a good movie. 
you know, where a patient essentially starts showing up in the therapist's private life. And then there's a Curb Your Enthusiasm where he encounters one of his therapists at a, at a baseball show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I seen that. He has like a two-minute conversation with the therapist who mm-hmm. the therapist tries to tell him kind of like, I'm not working right now. And then he sees it on his invoice next time that he billed him <laughs> a rather large Seriously? sum. Oh, wow. And the same therapist in that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm does something that is completely forbidden, which is he starts talking about other patients and inadvertently disclosing who they are. Well, I think that's something that I've never had it happen um, in real life. And I've known a lot of therapists in my my time. Um, Most of them, actually all of them have been like super, super professional. So, So, I mean, well, it makes me think about doorknob, a doorknob comment as maybe expressing trust. So a a lot of times the way I'm starting to think about it is there's a few different general categories of doorknob comments. One of them is like, what do you think of me? Like the patient is wondering what the therapist really thinks, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost like, well, the session is over. So you're no longer a therapist. So what do you really think? Yeah. It's like, you're so nice to me during the session, but if I push it a little bit, are you going to say something else? Mm-hmm. Um, or if I put you on the spot? Because a lot of times we feel put on the spot as therapists if we don't handle it really well. Yeah. If we're feeling rushed or someone else is there in the waiting room, yeah. you know, you know, you get cornered and you can blurt something out. Also a good interrogation technique. <laughs> and it may be just like, well, can my therapist handle this? Maybe. Uh, I think when we put people on the spot, the uh, things are unpredictable. Like if someone else is there, the therapist might, for the protection of both patients, just want the patient whose session is ending to make their way out Um, because you don't want to like inadvertently breach anybody's confidentiality. Well, I think that's where it's problematic if you feel put on the spot too much. And this is true for anyone where it, it can be very helpful to say, you know, come on, you know, come back in for a sec. Let, let's yeah. close the door. Yeah. Um, and to take another minute or two, which right. shouldn't bother anyone that much. No, but it can be injurious to the person who's waiting there. So I just think that that... I'll just ar- sort of argue the other side. Okay. So if the, if the other person who's waiting comes in, they say, how come you were two minutes late? Say, well, something important came up. Obviously can't talk about it, but mm-hmm. I would, I would certainly, you know, do the same for you. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe that's not a good enough answer. And then you can explore like what it brought up for them. Maybe mm-hmm. their father used to like, um, you know, end things abruptly, you know, or show favoritism for someone, uh, yeah. you know, another sibling or something. Uh, but of course, you don't want to just turn everything into like, it's somehow like the patient's right. psychological problem. Uh, though, at the same time, you know, understanding whether so-called transference is coming up, you know, whether right. something is being pulled into the therapy can be yeah. incredibly helpful. But it, oftentimes, it's some kind of insecurity or s- seeking reassurance. You, yeah. you, you must, I must be one of your toughest patients, right? I'll see you next week. Or mm-hmm. do, you, do you think, do you think that I need to be hospitalized? You know, um, or you, you probably think I'm like, um, such a narcissistic person, don't you? Well, and I think it's important for us to distinguish between, for us, we're psychiatrists, that there is really the analytic way of looking at things. And then there's a more medicalized way where if we did believe that someone needed to be hospitalized, we probably would not let them (laughs) leave the office. Yeah, certainly. You, you know, uh, especially trained in medicine or depending if you're not trained in medicine, if, if you have that kind of medical training, yeah, mm-hmm. certainly all of a sudden you would stop thinking of it as symbolic. 
and you would think of it as, you know, is there a concrete issue and right, do do a quote unquote risk assessment. Yeah, right. And I think that that's why it's important to put the doorknob comment in the context you were saying, well, is it within the frame? Is it outside of the frame? And to really uh, look at it with a very critical eye. Well, within the frame, meaning something like it's it's subject to meaning making, mm-hmm. and it's it's taken as something like a symbolic comment that can be understood in in other than sort of the the concrete surface ways, right. versus something outside of the frame, which is kind of sometimes cigar is just a cigar, like mm-hmm. it is what it is. So an, another one is like um, things about the therapist, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do outside of here? Um, yeah, or if you go, if you let someone know that you're going to be away the last two weeks of August, they might want to know where you're going on vacation. Are you are you going on vacation? Do you ever take a vacation? Um, <laughs> do you have children? Um, are you married? I'm worried about you. You you seemed out of sorts recently. I know I'm not supposed to ask, but you know, are yeah. you okay? I don't I don't get that very often, but any any even a, a expressing affection, you know, yeah. like uh, or gratitude. A lot of times, people will say these things as they're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think that's because it can feel a little bit scary. Uh, so for people who've been in therapy for a long time, they kind of know not to ask too much because a lot of therapists are traditionally pretty tight lipped about their personal lives. Right. Well, I, I've I've certainly um, worked with folks where they they have worked with uh, traditionally trained therapists who essentially say, "I don't talk about those things, and, mm-hmm. and please don't ask." Though there's a therapist who, who I think we're we're both familiar with who really brought to our attention the importance of uh, potentially giving the patient room to think about and talk about what they, at least what they imagine about the therapist. Uh, Lou, mm-hmm. Lou Aaron wrote about that very eloquently. And if you set these rules, then the concern is that there will be important things that aren't explored. What I thought you were going to say is that ther- that therapists will ask patients to bring those issues up earlier in the session. And patients will learn to say, you know, I was having a thought where I wondered where you were going on vacation, yeah. or I found myself feeling a sense of caring, you know, today, especially. And then yeah. it, it it gets pulled into the therapy, which is another way of being trained. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we therapized. Right. But is I think um, a much healthier way to explore that stuff because usually it can it can just give us information about, you know, why why are they curious about where you're going? You well, know, the deep, the deeper root. level, yeah. Yeah, because there probably is something at the root of it. And a lot of times it's questions about, you know, decisions, uh, let's say, that the therapist has made in his or her life and patients wanting to, who maybe struggle with that, where every decision is excruciating. And so they look to the therapist as sort of a model of, oh, well, you got married, so maybe I can too, I think sort of shutting that down is uh, not only unnecessarily withholding, but you, you're missing uh, something important. Yeah, I agree. But the flip side, the risk is that if it's also not sort of approached in a mutual collaborative way, then, then, then the other person, the, pa- the patient may take it as permission or even instruction to like make an important life decision. That's why uh, we, we learned to have kind of a spider sense about questions <laughs> like that and and be sometimes annoyingly vague about how we want to answer them or you know um oh i know you're going to want to explore this but um mm-hmm. you know 
And the idea is that it can be helpful also to have more nuanced conversations with people outside of therapy. You know, sometimes it's it's good to keep it not so nuanced. What do you mean? There are times in personal relationships where insisting on exploring things, you know, the way a therapist might insist on exploring mm -hmm. them in therapy is not always the best decision. Like mm -hmm. it might be better sometimes to wait to talk about something until right. the other person is ready. The other person is yeah. ready. Yeah, good example. Yeah. I think um, that's why a lot of people see therapists as either maybe not impolite is not the right word, but just kind of intrusive and not adhering to like the social, uh, <laughs> like socially accepted boundaries. I know we were saying how uh, sometimes in therapy, you talk about things like money or sex or things that you probably wouldn't come up at a dinner party. The the sort of timing and the rhythm of it is different in therapy. And of course, you know, presumably patients are giving their therapist consent to ask them more personal questions and, and hopefully would feel comfortable saying, I don't want to talk about that. Therapists, by the same token, you know, we listen for things that sound more meaningful. And a lot of times they're sort of lost in the middle of a bunch of other things. And you learn to uh, listen with your third ear, as they mm -hmm. say. So one of the ideas with doorknob comments is that you haven't you haven't really maybe maybe they tried to bring it up and you haven't heard it and so it's coming up sort of at the end of the session. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe the patient point. has has hidden it not because of the therapist and it, and they're just sort of letting it out as they're leaving. Yeah. Well the okay. one yeah the one we were just referencing is um things that that the patient is ambivalent about discussing or mm -hmm. may not have brought up. And so yeah. that might be, as you, as you said, it could be self-destructive thoughts or suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. it, it could come out in a serious or a joking way. A, yeah. a lot of times it can be history. You know, by the way, I, I forgot, I never told you, but I was married before, mm -hmm. or I never told you, but when I was a kid, I had this bad experience. This week, I felt really embarrassed about how I talked to one of my friends or employees mm -hmm. or coworkers, but yeah. I didn't want to bring it up, but maybe next week we can talk about it. Sometimes, yeah. as you said, it's a sexual thing, like a, a sexual problem. Men very often won't uh, mention sexual issues, in my experience, unless you ask them directly. Mm -hmm. but Thoughts just... about their appearance. Yeah, sort of anything, subjects. That, anything that could be just really uncomfortable. Financial um, difficulties Yeah, that mm -hmm. might affect the therapy. And then, yeah, did we, I don't know if we really touched on the idea of concerns about the therapy itself or the framework, but I guess it sort of straddles two categories where it can be sort of both difficult to discuss and it also has to do with the therapist. Right, like things that the patient is not sure they want to bring up might not even mm -hmm. be fully conscious because like jokes a lot of these things kind of just come up spontaneously yeah. those sometimes you know people will tell you they were thinking about whether or not to bring it up the whole mm -hmm. session i don't know if you wanted me to bring it up um or i have other stuff to talk about you know it has to do with their priorities but the specific issue yeah about about the 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 way the treatment is going yeah. or the kind of therapy that it is is therapy really helping me yeah, I think all of those things uh, can be people just, wanting to stop therapy. Yeah, and not being sure how the therapist will take that. Right, and I mean, some of these things are very real, uh, real issues, and and should be directly addressed. I think really being feeling comfortable to discuss them uh, within the session is just not something that we can take for granted. Right. That that would that would many therapists would say that would be 
and it's sort of an achievement, like a developmental yeah. achievement in therapy, as we were saying before, you know, to get to the point where you say, hey, you know, I know in the past I would have mentioned this as I was walking out the door, but, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so people learn to be less avoidant. They work through some trust issues. They develop a greater sense of security about their own thoughts. Maybe they've sorted out some of their anxieties about what other people think of them yeah. um, and so on. What, what are your thoughts about yeah. how that can be helpful? I mean, I just always like in the interest of progress and moving forward. And, and I think because as someone who's just by nature, fairly accommodating and tends to attract patients who are fairly accommodating when someone- Fairly accommodating. <laughs> But when someone says, hey, this just doesn't work for me, whether it's a medication, whether it's a scheduling time, always like want to just do a cartwheel when they stand up for themselves in that way, um, because I know how hard it can be to do that. And most people don't see me as like an authority figure or anything, but they, um, they might feel worried about disappointing me. What do you mean most people don't see you as an authority figure? Are you sure? Because you're like the doctor and all this stuff. Maybe it's because you're doing cartwheels. <laughs> Maybe. I don't I don't think I'm like that authoritative. Like not. authoritarian. Yeah, it's not really my style. But people might still feel bad telling me that they need to move an appointment. They will say, I'm so sorry, I need to move this appointment. And I'm kind of like, no, do what's right for you. And then, yeah, and then you, you feel sort of proud for the person to exactly. like stand up for themselves kind of right. thing. Yeah. And so when I put that into the context of like the minor inconvenience, it's really nothing. Oh, there's a lot there. Am so, I making but, a doorknob comment right now? No, I mean, I, I thought I, I, we started a, a little bit late because yeah. we were re, we were re-recording our intro mm -hmm. um, in case people are interested. I hope that's not too much self-disclosure. You know, the, the idea is that therapists are supposed to be blank, though. I don't think yeah. any, you know, a lot of people don't really believe that. On the other hand, as you were saying, you know, there there are boundaries and um, right. sometimes people don't want to know too much. And it's nice to have someone who you can kind of see as being sort of a, a blank slate in some ways as a mm -hmm. sounding board, right? You don't have to worry too much. It's, it's mm -hmm. quite tricky. So learning to pay attention to these sort of, um, we have doorknob comments in our own minds, right? And so you learn to hear the stuff that is, uh, as they say, pre-conscious. It's not mm -hmm. unconscious and it's not fully conscious. It's not structured. You haven't really articulated it fully to yourself, yeah. but you can kind of tell something is there. It's like on the tip of your tongue kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, therapy is all about learning to put things into words and learning to listen to your inner thoughts and have that be very clear to oneself and others if if need be. And also learning to make decisions about whether or not to inhibit oneself, I, yeah. I suppose. Uh, and so doorknob comments kind of encapsulate that inner process in the right. frame of the treatment. And I think it's just one of many things, many concepts that make our work really interesting. You know, one other thought I have is whether or not those types of things, like whether or not doorknob comments are either invited into the therapy or shamed and excluded, you know, because it's making me think about different mindsets. Psychologists talk about like, what kind of mindset do you have? It mm -hmm. turns out that that's actually like has a technical definition and there's all kinds of different mindsets mm -hmm. that have been studied, but two big ones are an anxiety or fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So if you have a growth mindset, a doorknob comment becomes something that's really like wonderful. Yeah. 
and yeah. something for the two people to do something with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to delight in most of the time. Um, just the idea that you could take something that feels too scary to say and then have a conversation about it, have a whole discussion about it. Yeah, cer- oh, certainly a, le- a level of curiosity yeah. with a, a kind of a positive sense. Yeah. Uh, I think is very helpful for for anything that feels kind of squirrely like that. Right. Same thing with jokes that, you know, not always um, easy to look at what a joke might mean, because for one thing, it, it often makes the joke no longer funny <laughs> <laughs> to analyze it. But there you go again, you know, well, breaking you know, it all a, down. It's a trade off, right? Yeah. 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 You always have to analyze everything I say. Yeah. God, it's like, well, I don't have to, but. You know, a lot of times jokes seem pretty obvious too, uh, and it's hard. It's hard to just ignore that. Right, but it's also hard for people to say what's really on their minds. And I think a lot of what we do when we work with people who are suffering from anxiety or, you know, unremitting rage or whatever it might be, it's a lot of it is because it is too hard. You know, it requires compassion and patience because it's a process to work on those things. It's not realistic to expect people to, you know, uh, be able to do gymnastics when they don't know how to do a somersault first, right. you know, right. um, or what, whatever it is that g- gymnasts learn <laughs> at, at foundation. I, I think there's something about the idea of the, the trade-off that's important. Yeah. You know, there's there's kind of leaving things unspoken can mm-hmm. be kind of nice. And oh, yeah. what you were saying earlier, that in therapy, a lot of times it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a typical conversation because there is this risk slash opportunity of mm-hmm. talking about things in a, mm-hmm. in a less than sort of typically normal way. I have to say a lot of people have relationships where they do talk about how meaningful things are and it's not so unusual. Right. Uh, but it would be kind of weird just out of the blue. Like, you know, if if you didn't have that kind of relationship with someone at a cocktail mm-hmm. party and they made a joke and you kind of said, oh, that's very funny. What, what does that joke mean? They'd be right. like, are you a psychiatrist or something? <laughs> Yeah, some people don't want to be examined in that way or scrutinized, you know. That, so that, that's how it can feel. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the just just one small way that a lot of this stuff gets expressed. So if you say we're saying that there's some things that are pre-conscious, right? And uh we have a lot, there's there's a lot there, and there are a lot of different ways for this stuff to come out. And and a doorknob comment is just one of those. So it's not like yeah, a full wraparound thing. Human experience is full of many layers of meaning. Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to think that it's simpler. And sometimes it is, but it, it can be quite it be quite a good experience to make sense out of things. And it seems to be really important. You know, I remember one more thing actually that mm-hmm. my joke about like where mm-hmm. we have to stop shortly yeah. reminded me of, which is sometimes if a therapy session seems to end too abruptly, it can be helpful a few minutes before the end of the session to say something like, you know, we're, we're going to have to stop in a few mm-hmm. minutes. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up today? And to some extent, you may not run into the doorknob common phenomenon right. as much if you really mark that the end of the session is coming, which a lot of times therapists don't do because there's an idea that, you know, when right. the session starts and when the session ends is kind of there's no structure mm-hmm. to the session. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, really skilled clinicians can do that intuitively. People, well, patients learn to pick up on the clues. Right, right. right? Exactly. I notice that you start to interrupt lean. me more. Yeah, or you <laughs> lean forward or right. <laughs> you put your pad down. Or, yeah. 
you start yeah. looking at your text messages. I'm just <laughs> That's kidding, a bad one. The last one. <laughs> that would be a bad one. I hope no one does that. But well, sometimes you have to reach for a phone or a computer because that's how you make the next appointment. It depends on the you know how the therapy is structured. The point being that we watch one another very closely mm-hmm. and we make inferences about each other without needing yeah. to say everything. Yeah. But therapy prizes putting everything into words. Right. Exactly. Thanks for listening. And if people enjoyed it, they can rate and review us. That would be very meaningful. Um, You can also find us on social media, doorknob comments. Right. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Doorknob Comments. We're committed to bringing you new episodes with great guests. Please take a moment to share your thoughts. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us on Instagram at Doorknob Comments. Remember, this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of psychiatry or any other type of medicine. This is not a substitute for professional and individual treatment services and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. If you feel that you may be in crisis, please don't delay in securing mental health treatment. Thank you for listening.